the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. The Bible has a lot to say about the peace of God within a nation. Psalm 29, 11 said, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And in Leviticus 26, 6, God promises when he is Lord of a nation, he says, I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. Hi, Alex McFarland here. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, talking about the, the peace of God in a land, uh, for the first segment of the show today, we're going to talk about uh, a land that needs the peace of God, Afghanistan. And I'm here with Bert Harper. And uh, Bert, I know you and I are in First Thessalonians 2, verse 15 today. And uh, we'll get there, but I thought you had a wonderful idea. Bert had the idea to bring in a journalist, our longtime friend and colleague, Steve Jordahl. And let's just talk a little bit about uh, what's going on on the other side of the world, Afghanistan. And we want to pray for the welfare of the people, certainly the welfare of Christians, and for the peace of God in that land. Because, uh, Bert, when, when we read the news, I mean, my, my heart just hurts for what all is going on over there. Mine as well. I'm old enough to remember Saigon, and uh, that was so devastating in Vietnam. Never will forget it, those helicopters taking off and people holding on. And when I saw that airplane, big, huge airplane and people mm-hmm. holding on, it breaks your heart. But as we were talking about the Americans who were there, the men and women who helped the Americans, translators, other things, and the women, the children that are there that had been just set free, and now a bondage is coming their way. It hit me. How about the Christians who are there in Afghanistan? And uh, so I could not find all the information. I'm not the researcher. So we went to the news department at American Family News. And, Steve, thank you for being with us, and thank you for yes. Doing this, we we needed to hear this, and I, so here's what we want you to do: we want you to make this a matter of prayer. Tonight is Wednesday night, and many many churches will meet on Wednesday night Bible study, hopefully prayer meeting. Make this an issue. So get your pen ready and and get your numbers that Steve is going to give you, and write them down and have this requested because these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, listen that. That, they're vital, and we need to be praying. Steve, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Brother Bert and Alex and everybody yes. out there. So um, I had to go. I had to look. It wasn't easy to find these numbers because, of course, in the 1040 window, a Muslim-majority country, the, being a Christian is not a public thing at all. And so I did happen to go to – I found uh, some numbers from International Christian Concern. Uh, Matthias Pertola was the person who I talked to. He told me that there are between 10 and 12,000 believers in the country of Afghanistan, and they are right now under the gun. Uh, maybe that's mm-hmm. a bad uh, turn of phrase, but they well, are right true. in— That is true. Uh, that kind of is true. They're in grave danger right now. Uh, the Taliban has very, very little um, sympathy or room for, for Christians in that country. And we're talking—Alex, we're talking about these men and women— uh, who have faced difficulties already, and now it is compounded with, there's no doubt, death. And I, I wanted to share this. My wife found this, 
and it's from Ann Graham Lotz. And uh, 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 that woman, I love her presentation, but one of the greatest things she does is write prayers. And I want to share this with you guys, and I want you to comment too, Steve, as well as Alex. But here's what Ann prays. She says, Are you not the judge of all the earth? If my heart is broken, shattered over what's taken place in Afghanistan, what must your great heart feel, O God? So I come to you. I plead your mercy for your people who are now hiding in basements, caves, and holes there that they can be and look for, knowing that demonic forces will come and do everything they can to find these people and to slaughter them. So I pray for your people, followers of Jesus, to be supernaturally protected and delivered. Send your angel armies. That's part of her prayer. And I could not help but think about those armies of angels surrounding Elisha. Alex, Mm -hmm. we're praying. We want people to remember that. Ten to 12,000. Is that... That's the number that best they can come up with, right, Steve? Yes, and yeah. there, there are very, very few that are public, uh, publicly Christian, um, and but ten to 12,000 people is far as I think. And you know what's interesting? <clears throat> you, you talk about the, holy, uh, the angels surrounding them um, and miraculously protecting them. <clears throat> as with most Muslim-majority countries, we're hearing stories of how they're coming to Christ. And it's not that uh, the you know Southern Baptist you know International Mission Board is going over there and handing Bibles out and holding revivals. They are coming to Christ after getting dreams and visions from God. Amen. And oh yes. Sends them places to talk to somebody. Um, it's it's happening all over the 1040 window. And so I, my thought is, if God can reach down into their dreams and their visions and and bring them to Himself, just miraculously there, then then protecting them shouldn't be that part of a problem for him if that's his will. Amen. Isn't that right, Alex? Exactly. Exactly. And we, we do need to pray. Um, guys, I was at a conference in Cincinnati, Ohio, a couple of years ago, and we heard there were a thousand people there, and we heard stories of the dreams and the visions. And I mean, these were doctors and engineers, very highly educated people that they were in predominantly Muslim countries, and they talked about how Jesus appeared in a vision and said, follow me. So honestly, for American Christians to pray for the knowledge of Jesus throughout Afghanistan and the Islamic world, um, this is really for us to link arms and hearts and be a part of something supernatural the Lord is doing. But Steve, I want to ask you a question. Sure. We hear the, the phrase in the news, humanitarian crisis. Hmm. Try to help us understand the degree to, to what degree this is, quote, a humanitarian crisis. Well, um, the, it's not the crisis in the terms of the, the food isn't short, and you know, the, but but it's a it's a dire situation for anybody who is uh, not Muslim for sure. Women are are going to be having a terrible time there. The, now, the Taliban has made some promises. They promised to let Americans through the lines to get to the airport so they can be transported out. They promised that they're going to treat women with respect and allow them to do things. They promised before, and very few people believe any of what they're hearing so mm. uh, there's <clears throat> there's that there's um the the country is descending into into darkness sharia law is a is an awful thing and um uh, so the humanitarian part of it is if if you believe in the human spirit 
it is right now in the process of trying to be quenched. It is. And I know, Steve, you've got issues and things you've got. I have issues for sure. (laughs) Issues that you're covering. And uh, so we're going to pray before you go. We want you to be a part of this. Can I add something to the prayer? Because I was talking to to Matthias uh, Pertola at International Christian Concern. He is asking uh, folks to pray for the church in Afghanistan, but also contact their legislators in Washington to ask them to make uh, the Christians in that country a priority to get out, um, to yes. put them on the same level with all the rest of the endangered, the, the translators and the people that have been helping the United States for the last 20 years and who are now targets. So if, if that's something, you can go to um, our webpage, afa.net, and there's places where you can go to find your, the number of your legislator in Washington, your senator, your congressman, uh, give them a call because uh, it's worth uh, protecting these people. You know, this is so important. The book of First Peter, and matter of fact, Alex, I know you're going to teach First Peter and Second Peter next two years at the Cove. That, and, that's true. And First Peter especially has so much about persecution. If you want to know how to pray and do that, read the book of First Peter. There's a lot of guidelines there, how to pray for our brothers and sisters. But Alex, uh, before Steve goes, would you mind leading us in this prayer, brother? Amen. Uh, and thanks, Steve, for your time. And, and by the way, thank you for your great ministry as a journalist. We hear you every day. appreciate you so much. It's a privilege. But uh, let, let's pray together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we lift up uh, praise to you. And, Lord, we do pray for all that's going on in Afghanistan. And, Lord, the, the Taliban taking over in Afghanistan, we know this does put lives at risk because um, it's a battle of beliefs. And we know that being a Christian in a, in a place like Afghanistan can actually put a target on your back and mean persecution and death. So, number one, we pray for the knowledge of the Savior in that part of the world. Lord, we pray for the protection of the body of believers. And Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit of God, in the name of Jesus, we know the answer, as as important as good policies can be, but we know the answer is that people would come to a relationship with Jesus. So the members of the Taliban, save them in Jesus' name. Convert them to faith in Jesus Christ. We pray for peace Uh, that would come to that land as people know the Prince of Peace. And Father God, I pray for the the end and and the forgetting of this philosophy that has cost the world so many millions of lives, Islam. Lord, we know that is not the gospel. We know that is a false worldview. And so I pray for the the ending of Islam and the, the introduction of Christianity. And so, Father God, we lift up and we pray for peace among all these people. And we pray that cities would come under the knowledge of Jesus. Leaders would come under the the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Children would, would grow up in safety and morality and with an opportunity to hear the gospel. And Lord, I pray for our American leaders from the White House, Congress, the, the UN. Please give people wisdom. Father, we need you to rule and overrule. And Lord, we pray that this would be not a season of darkness and evil, but an opportunity for Afghanistan, America, and the world to turn to Christ, the true King. And so we make this prayer for your glory, and in your name we ask it, Lord. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, Alex. Steve, thank you, brother. Thank you for having and me. And I appreciate you going the extra mile. I know you had pl other things you needed to do, but I appreciate you doing it, brother. It's my, my pleasure. Okay. Alex, uh, at this point in time, America is just being overrun by issues. The southern border and what they're saying, the numbers who are there, the children that are coming in, and the number of people who have the virus already and being coming in, uh, the economic uh, difficulties of inflation it's all around us and uh, we're being bombarded and uh, so it's a matter of prayer now i i don't know exactly how to pray for everything on those but i trust i trust the one i'm praying to aren't you glad that the holy spirit can make utterances that sometimes when we don't know what he does amen i mean you know I, i'm the same way uh bert i am um, <laughs> Every day, I mean, I read the news. I'm a little bit of a news junkie, you know. And uh, many a time, I just bow my head and I say, Lord, I, I don't even really know where to start. But Father God, thy will be done. And see, one of the beautiful things, like you said, he, the Lord does make intercession with groanings that are just beyond e expression. But do you know what? Romans 12 talks about us being a living sacrifice. And when we have yielded ourselves to Jesus... Um, whether we know all the details and we, you know, the old song, we don't, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we do know who holds tomorrow. Amen. We can be completely <laughs> confident in the power and the goodness and the wisdom and the sovereignty of our Savior. Amen. We're asking you to pray. Those of it going to prayer meeting, pray for those believers in Afghanistan, 10 to 12,000. And we'll be back right after this break, and we're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Charles Hopkins, Associate Administrator and Deputy Undersecretary for Emergency Operations. He oversees emergency management enterprise, continuity programs, and complex-wide emergency operations support. 1 Corinthians 4.2 reminds us of the most important quality of a good steward and good leader. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Charles Hopkins. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says many people who call Jesus King don't act like he really is. There's a name for people like that, and we'll find out what it is today as we spend two minutes with Tony. We want Jesus to have final say-so over the decisions we agree with. We want Jesus to have final say-so over the decisions we like. We want Jesus to have final say-so over the decisions that make me comfortable. But that's not how rulers rule. The idea is not for the ruler to adjust to the rulee. The idea is for the rulee to adjust to the ruler. Jesus Christ wants to be your savior who takes you to heaven and your king who rules your life in history. 
which means that your question on every subject in your life should be one. What do you want me to do about this? When you begin asking that question to your king and answering that question in the affirmative, there are only two words you're supposed to give to that question, yes, Lord, yes, king. When you ask that question and answer that question, now you are functioning as a citizen of his kingdom and not as a Benedict Arnold in his kingdom. Learn more about what the names used to describe Jesus really mean and what they say about how he wants to relate with us. Check out Tony's book, The Power of Jesus' Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged before he has established justice on the earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Bert and Alex. And again, we remind you to be sure and be praying for Afghanistan, uh, the Americans who are there, those that are citizens there, but especially our believe our brothers and sisters and children in Christ who are there and be praying for them. Alex, listen to this passage and we'll get to it, but I, I just love this passage. It's in sec, it's first Thessalonians chapter two. I want to say second Thessalonians. No, it's first Thessalonians chapter two. It's verse 19. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Be ready for his coming. That's our hope. That's our joy. And so, Alex, what uh, Paul was trying to get the Thessalonians to realize, that that day was coming and they could be ready, and uh, it would be a, joy, a, a day of hope. Now, listen, uh, a lot of folks, I'm not sure they have that expectation of the second coming, that it's something of a hope. Uh, there's some folks I sound like they dread that day. Oh, well, yeah. And, you know, um, I've told the story how we were doing visitation one time, and we were standing on a lady's doorstep, and she just was nervous as could be. And she said, uh, are you one of these? Do you believe Jesus will really come back? And I said, yes, I do. I believe Jesus will really come back. And just with a deer in the headlights look, she said, oh, I hope it's not today. And she slammed the door. <laughs> and she was, the idea of Christ's return was frightening. But to those of us who know the Lord, and, and friends, you can know the Lord today. Jesus is as close by as a prayer. Uh, the prospect of Christ's return is a great joy. In fact, um, you know, I love life, and I mean, i got a lot going on, and life is exciting. But if Jesus were to come back right this minute, uh, I'm ready, and I would be just grateful beyond words. And so we know that the hope of the world, the blessed hope, 
is the return of Christ. But, you know, um, we've, we're in Second Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, I'm sorry, just like you said, 1 Thessalonians. And yesterday we read up to uh, the fact where on this uh, Ignatian road, this busy, busy trade route that went from Turkey and part of it in uh, Morocco is still paved to this day, and Thessalonica was a major city on this busy trade route built by the Romans. But um, Paul says he thanks God for these churches, these Christians there, brothers and sisters, imitators of, of Christ, suffering from their own people. Now, listen to this. Suffering from your own people, the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, verse 15, who, and Paul doesn't mince words here, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap upon their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Now, verse 15 and 16 of 1 Thessalonians 2, um, this is no touchy-feely PC talk like you might hear today, is it, Bert? It Paul, is not. And notice Paul lays it on the table. He does. Who killed both the Lord Jesus and his own prophets, those that would prophesy. And what was amazing, they, they wanted to brag on the prophets until it was brought to their attention that they, how they had treated them. And I was just reading recently how they treated Jeremiah, putting him in that pit, desiring for him to die. And, you know, when you read this, it says it's contrary and it, uh, verse 16 is just intriguing. It says, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. They, they didn't think they could be saved. And if they could, they didn't want them to be saved, Alex. You catch? You, Isn't you catch, that sad? That is where their heart was so far from God. We don't want you in. We, we got our four. We don't want any more. Close, hurry up and close the door. That was their oh, idea. Man. Well, and you know that's um, that's that's malice of the highest degree to be um, just to essentially say you know they can go to hell. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't doesn't matter to me, but it it needs to matter to us. We need to have the heart of Christ, and we need to care about the the salvation of of people that are right now apart from God's intervention on their way to a Christless eternity. Uh, the wrath of God, okay, has come upon them at last. Verse 17, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person, not in thought, this is so sweet, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way, for what is our hope, our joy, or the crown of which we glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So here's the thing. Paul talks about being apart from these Thessalonican Christians as like being orphaned. He said, you know, being away from you, uh, even though we're doing the work of the ministry and God is in control, being separated from you guys, it's like not even having family. I'm an orphan now. That's the heart of a shepherd, isn't it? It is. And he said, I wanted to come to you. I tried to come to you again. Uh, you know, it wasn't just one time. It's kind of like him praying for the thorn in the flesh to be taken away. He didn't pray just one time, two times. He said he prayed three times. So he tried again to, again to come, but Satan hindered us. 
Now, Alex, that is a very interesting phrase. Satan wants to hinder us. Uh, now, how he did that, we don't know all the reasons. We know he was in Corinth, and they were tough there in Corinth, and difficult things was taking place, and uh, people trying to hurt him. And so he wanted to get back to those people in Thessalonica and share with them. But uh, he, he noticed this term. He says, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul. And so I, I could not help but notice the we here. This group of people who were with Paul, uh, they had a heart for these people as well. Not only did Paul love these individuals that had come out and of Thessalonica and been called out into the, the, to the assembly of, of believers and followers of Christ, but those that were with him had grown that same, same kind of affection. And Satan had, and notice what it says, Satan hindered us, not just him. So Satan was doing his best to keep from anyone getting to them. Now, what does God do? And I, I think I've made this point the other day, but let me try to make it again because I, I think it's a good point. It says God takes all things and he works it for good to them that are called according to his purpose. Alex, had he gotten to them and been able to go back, we may not have gotten First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians as letters that Paul wrote and have them in the Bible. But because he could not get back, Satan, God turned Satan on his heels so that we have the Word of God in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. God, listen, don't try to outdo God. I, you know, I, I don't mean to. I, yeah, I do mean that the way I say it. Try to undergird or do something bad. No, follow him. God has his way even in letters, even if he couldn't get to them face to face. Well, that's true. And you know what? Uh, it, it says Satan blocked our way or hindered or impeded our, our way. And Satan works through operatives, circumstances, people, a lot of things. But you know what? Look, it, it is by definition impossible that the finite created being could outplay the infinite creator of all things. Look, this. even Satan, he, he is not omniscient. He doesn't have all knowledge. His knowledge is limited. So how could a finite being uh, put in checkmate the infinite, all-knowing creator? It's impossible. So, And that's one of the, the reasons Satan is the greatest fool in the universe that a limited being thinks he could outdo an unlimited God. But uh, at any rate, he's, he, Paul says in verse 19 and 20, what is our hope, our joy, and the crown of glory that we will have in the presence of Jesus when he comes? It's you. You are our glory. In other words, even though I was disappointed I couldn't come, I'm happy, I'm joyful, because you are walking with the Lord. And really, that ought to be our joy, to know Christ and what what we've been able to do for Christ. I mean, what else matters? You know, we've often said this, Bert, that um, all that you're going to care about when you leave this world, all that is going to matter is God and family. What did I do for my Lord? What did I do for my loved ones? That That's our crown and our glory and our joy, isn't it, Bert? It is. And again, Alex, this is so well said. 
And again, I remind you, at the end of each one of these chapters, 1 through 5, is a reminder of the return of the Lord until he gets over in chapter the latter part of chapter 4 and all of chapter 5 where he concentrates it. But he says here uh, of our Lord Jesus at his coming. And, uh, and it says, for as you said, for you are our glory and joy. Uh, you know, John would write and say, I have no greater joy than to see that my little children walk in truth. And so here Paul says it in a different way, but that's the whole thing. And uh, Alex, you know what it is to have mentored some young men and uh, sometimes women that you've uh, been a youth minister to or pastored, and you see them following Christ. Alex, that puts mm. iron in your spiritual blood when you see that, and that's putting iron in Paul's uh, spiritual blood as well. And he said, Amen. you are our glory and our joy to see that you're walking in this truth. Amen. Amen. You know, it, it just it means so, so much. And those of you that have ever taught Sunday school or those of you that have ever served, you know, as a chaperone or certainly pastored or anything, I mean, it's worth all the money in the world. It's worth any other thing. But to know that you who found Jesus passed it on and somebody else has been reached and they're walking with Jesus. And, Bert, I really do think that's going to be one of the great uh, praise services in heaven <laughs> is that we're going to look back. And, and listen, folks, this is why it is so important to love the Lord, joyfully grow, and pass it on, because you and I are a link in a chain that goes all the way back to the day of Pentecost. Amen. I mean, think about it. Peter preached, the Spirit fell. Somebody was one to Christ, and they told somebody, and they told somebody, and somebody else was told. And the Reformation happened, and Europeans came over here to the colonies, and somebody told somebody. And only God knows the, the link of faithful witnesses that takes you all the way back to Pentecost. But, Bert, um, I believe Jesus is coming soon. I really do. But just in case it's another hundred years or so, we've got to pass on the gospel message so some recipient that may not even be born yet will hear the gospel of Jesus long after we've left this world. we got to be faithful in our moment, and this is our moment. Yeah, and, and there was people there in Thessalonica who were living their life like Jesus is going to come back any day, or we should mm -hmm. live our life, but they was living it wrongly. They were saying, well, why should we work? Why should we do that? We're just going to sit passively by and wait. That's not the waiting that we're talking about when we're saying waiting on the Lord's return. We wait expectantly, but we wait working. Uh, and, and that means you share Christ. That means you do the work. You help people. The Bible still says they'll know that you are my disciples because you love one another. The Bible says they'll see your good works and glorify my Father who's in heaven. In other words, Alex, what this is, we're to live life no matter when. Uh, in difficult times, in easier times, we're to live our lives for the glory of God. Now, that's the terms he used. You're our glory. We, we find joy in, in your life, and it brings glory to the Lord. And we're going to introduce chapter 3, but we'll come back to it tomorrow. But notice the first words, our word, therefore. 
Okay? Uh, you know, therefore, because of, of this return of Christ, because you're our glory and our joy, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister, and our fellow laborer in the gospel to Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Now, Alex, I, we'll just stop there time-wise, but again, I think we'll return to this. But what did Paul do? He says, I could not come. We could not come when we wanted to. But listen, I, am, I have sent Timothy. Now, Timothy's going to bring him word about what's going place. But notice there, said, I, I couldn't come. Satan has hindered me and hindered some of us. But Timothy's going to come, and what's he going to do? I love these words. He's going to establish you and encourage you. Aren't Amen. those two important things? We need to be established in the faith and encouraged to keep on going. Well, and you know, the word established uh, sometimes is rendered strengthened. And, uh, friend, you need to be established in your faith. And the way you get that way is through the Word of God and growing and attending to uh, your spiritual maturity. Um, I like this in verse 5. This is how the NIV renders it. Paul says, for, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. In other words, I had to have news that you guys had not fallen away. And uh, he said, when I could stand it no longer. I mean, <laughs> I relate to Paul because yeah. sometimes you just got to got to act, don't you? <laughs> you do, and, and they do. Timothy's going to find out things are going relatively well. They had some questions, some difficulties. Sounds like life to me. And oh, yeah. uh, But Christ is Lord, and he's Lord indeed. We pray, and he's Lord of your life. We're going to take your questions in the last segment, and that phone number is 888-589-8840. Give us a call on your Bible question. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here's another of our core values. AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. Thank you for standing with AFA, and we thank you for your support. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks One Year Scholarship Program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session starts September 13th. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Regressivism is a bipartisan institution. Eighteen Republican U.S. senators have proven that true as they voted to pass Mr. J. Robinette's ridiculous non-infrastructure infrastructure bill. Congratulations, 18 Senate Republicans. You've set the stage to allow your regressive Democrat counterparts pass their $3.5 trillion social re-engineering compact, affecting everything from health care and child care to college, the environment, and so much more through the once-a-year available reconciliation process. 
you voted to increase the deficit at a time when debt as a share of the economy is on track to break the World War II record this year. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Hebrews 2 verse 10 says, God made the founder of our salvation perfect through suffering. When Air Florida Flight 90 crashed into the icy Potomac River in 1982, rescuers lowered a rope from a helicopter to save Arlen Williams. Five different times that rope came to Arlen Williams, and all five times he passed the rope to someone else. He died that day, sacrificing his own safety to hand hope to someone else. Jesus knew that the only way to hand eternal hope to you and me was to go to the cross and pay the terrible price for our sin. His decision was formed by his loving obedience to the Heavenly Father and by an unshakable love for us. His perfect love bought our salvation. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to the program. We're going to go to phone calls. It's Exploring the Word. The number is 888-589-8840 with your calls and Bible questions. And, uh, Bert, i got to say this. I'm so excited. I just, a couple of hours ago, the uh, there was a knock at the door, and I had a case of books. And you and I have talked about it for years, and it's here, our book on 100 Bible Questions and Answers. The official release date is September 7, but they sent me some author copies, and I suspect that uh, you'll be getting a box of books. might be at your house by today. I don't know, but isn't it a blessing that the Lord allowed us to do that? It is, and we're hoping it'll be a blessing to you as well. We want God to get the glory. Uh, let me say, you know, we've just finished up First Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 2, where it talks about those people being his glory and joy. Uh, we really do think that about our listeners, those that support AFR and, and promote Exploring the Word, call in, pray for us. You are our glory and joy, and we thank God for that, and we're praying those books will be an extension of what God has done by using AFR and Exploring the Word uh, we've heard people's lives being changed, people being saved, people growing in the Lord, people saying, yes, I, I, God can use me. So we pray that God would use that book for his glory. Well, Alex, Amen. you ready to go to the phone calls? 888-589-8840. Call us with your Bible question. Where and do we go first, Bert? We go to Texas and talk to Steve. Steve, welcome. Hello, Alex and Bert. God bless you. Very good to hear you're doing well. I'm wondering what your idea is on when the times that the Gentiles be fulfilled. Is that at the end of the seven-year tribulation? Is that at the beginning when the Antichrist makes truce with Israel? I don't understand. I want to okay. just hear your ideas on that. Okay. It's one of those. Let me just share. It's uh, When you put a pinpointed time on the times of the Gentiles, He's going to take the church out at the rapture. That's, I do believe that. I'm pre-trib rapture. 
If it's not, then I'll be ready because he said I'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll be with me during difficult times. And Alex, but it seems like the time of the Gentiles are up, at, you know, when the church is taken out. Do you have a different view on that? Um, no, I, I really tend to agree because um, do you remember that um, the Jews, uh, you know, Paul writes about this, and uh, it was interesting how um, Peter ministered more to Jewish people, and Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, which I, I would have thought the opposite, really. <laughs> That's Paul, the way God does stuff. That's uh, God does stuff like that, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, Paul would have been a, a Jew's Jew, you know. Yeah. Um, but yet um, the gospel was taken to the Gentiles, and the New Testament talks about how the Jews did not deem themselves worthy of salvation uh, and that's, you know, really kind of sarcastic language. I have, from all my reading, I know some, like there was a great born-again Jewish scholar named Arnold Fruchtenbaum, great book you ought to read called Jesus Was a Jew. He believed that the times of the Gentiles would come right up to the second coming at the end of the tribulation. But I really believe, I think it seems like um, at the rapture, at the end of the church age, quote-unquote, and we're in the church age, because doesn't it seem like predominantly um, those getting saved during the tribulation, it's it's really more about Jews getting saved, yeah. although there will be some Gentiles saved during the tribulation, I believe it, but it seems more like Jews getting saved, although martyred right away, but during the tribulation. So I tend to believe the conclusion of the times where the gospel has predominantly gone to the Gentiles, I think it ends with the rapture. Well, I think so. The 144,000, they're Jewish uh, missionaries. I, I think uh, it would—I tend to believe that too. But I do want to say this. Uh, that's one of those things that you look at and you say, okay, could it be? I, I think it's got to be one of those. But I, and, I think there's more evidence at the beginning than at the end. Uh, let me just say one thing very quickly, just for what it's worth, and we don't know the exact date of of Christ's return, but it's interesting, in Daniel 2 and 7, um, it, it, there's a lot about, um, you know, Babylon, and Daniel portrays Babylon as really the, the, the head of the Gentile kingdoms that will dominate during the times of the Gentiles. Now, here's the thing. Babylon was the most important city of the world for roughly 2,000 years, and then Babylon fell. And if the reign of Babylon in the old times is in some ways analogous to the, quote, times of the Gentiles culminating with the beginning of the tribulation and the Antichrist, uh, if the times of the Gentiles politically and socially is a mirror of Babylon and the Gentile kingdoms of old. Babylon was 2,000 years. The times of the Gentiles has been, we're right at 1980-some years. I'm not trying to set a date for Christ's return, but see, the Bible does a lot to use kind of analogies and pictures, right. and um, the world is Babylon, and Babylon existed 2,000 years the church age has been 2,000 years. Makes you think, doesn't it, Bert? It does. And, I, man, what a great question, Steve. We appreciate appreciate that. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Jackie. Jackie, welcome. 
How y'all doing today? Doing good. Ooh, How about I, you? I really don't. I really, I'm fine. I don't really have a question, but I would like to uh, for y'all to wish Miss Eleanor Woody from Shannon, Mississippi. She's 101 today, and she was teaching our Bible study at 100 years old. <laughs> Amen. That's is, worth. Is, is this her birthday? Today's her birthday at 101. Amen, Miss Eleanor Woody. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And, Blessings uh, to you, dear yeah. sister. Happy birthday. Marty Sparks is singing Happy Birthday behind the microphone where you can't be heard. I'm not going to bless y'all with that. Uh, I'm afraid it wouldn't be so happy. But she was teaching the Bible at 100 years old. Jackie? She's 101 and was still teaching at 100 and would be teaching today if, if COVID wasn't here. Woo. Amen. Alex, faithful to the end. I want to be faithful to the end. How about what you? What a testimony. Ma'am, may God bless you, and you're an inspiration, and uh, may the Lord help us to do as you have done. What an example. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you for calling. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to John. John, welcome. Uh, hey, thank you. Hey, let me say happy birthday, Miss Woody. <laughs> yes. Amen. Uh, thank you, John. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, okay. I was saved back when I was 20 years old, and uh, and and the God's word says um, to uh, that love overcomes fear. Fear. We got a bunch of fear in this country today. Uh, you know uh, the COVID and and all these people want to take our uh, a nation away from us and turn it into. Uh, socialism and all that, and uh, a lot of fear going on. And uh, now, yes, I don't have, of course, I love God. I love Jesus and what he did for for me and all of us on the, on the cross. I have no problem loving my brothers and sisters. I, that's, you know, that's just kind of automatic, you know. But how do I love my enemies? The ones that want to destroy our country, throw this COVID at us. Uh, to be honest about it, uh, I wouldn't mind punching them in the nose. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, uh, John, thank you. We got that, brother. You, listen, it is only through Christ, only through Christ. Uh, I've known of people, Alex heard their testimonies about a loved one being killed by an individual. And then that family, forgiving that individual and even establishing a relationship with them for good, and their testimony was only through Christ. And I don't know of any other way of doing it. Now, that doesn't mean we excuse them. That loving them does not excuse them, but we can pray and we can have the heart of Christ. Yes, and uh, let me share this. You know, in First Corinthians chapter 15, Paul said, you know, last of all, I came to the Lord as one born out of due time. I'm the least of the apostles. Um, there was a man named John Bradford uh, many, many years ago, and he was uh, walking through England one time. Uh, this is 500 years ago, and he saw a criminal being led to be executed, and he had been reflecting on Paul's verse you know, I persecuted the church, I'm the least of the apostles, and paraphrasing it, and he saw this criminal going off to be executed, John Bradford said, there but for the grace of God go I. And that's become a very famous phrase. 
And Bert, look, when I when I hear some atheist rattling off a bunch of nonsense, and I hear people slander uh, the book of Genesis and creation, and and I've I've been on programs and some professor will call in and talk about how he tells his students Jesus did, didn't even exist. You know, there's a part of me that just wants the judgment of God to fall on such misleading, unbelieving people. But then I remember, there but for the grace of God go I, because it was because the Holy Spirit called out to me. And I thank God that I, I had a grandmother praying for me and a mom and my sister before we even dated, my sister and Angie were praying for me to get saved, you know? Amen. And so I guess I feel compassion on unbelieving fools because there but for the grace of God go I. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for that call, John. Let's go to Texas and talk to Michelle. Michelle, welcome. Hello. Um, I have a question about um, Adam and Eve. Uh, had two sons, Cain and Abel, and I'm not sure exactly uh, where it is, but it, they took a wife. They're, they're, either of them, I'm not sure if they both uh, uh, took a wife before he was murdered, but um, where did the wife come from? Okay, thank you, Michelle. Mm. Is that is that one of the questions? Uh, that's in our book. I it, thought it, it was, is. because this is On one page of the, 46. Okay. This is one of the most common questions that we get, Michelle. Where did Cain get his wife? Alex, you and I have talked about it. Uh, there's no sign of a second creation. There's no sign of any others being here before. Sounds like it may be a relative, possibly, right? Well, that's right. And you know what? All right. In Genesis chapter 4, it says there was Adam and Eve and their sons, Cain and Abel. And later in Genesis four seventeen, it says, Cain knew his wife, and she conceived, and she bore Enoch. So you you got to read on. First of all, Genesis 2 says Eve is, quote, the mother of all living. So all humans descended from Adam and Eve. But here's the thing. in There's a genealogy in Genesis 5, and verses 4 and 5. And, and again, folks, this is in our book, which is available. We, we haven't really promoted the book a lot because you're going to have an opportunity to get a copy of this brand new book during share but um, it is out there. But we talk about the fact that in Genesis 5, 4, and 5, it says the days of, of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters, so the days Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Okay, Adam and Eve had sons and daughters, and it's been estimated that you know by the time of Noah and the flood there would have been millions several million people in the world so who did Cain marry well he married a woman but over the hundreds of years and all the people born it would have been in a very literal genetic sense a sibling because we're all related to Adam and Eve. In in reality, we all marry a sibling. We really do, and we appreciate you calling. There's one more call I want to get in, and I know we're cutting that a little bit short. Good question, but Michelle, that is the answer. But we want to go to Texas and talk to Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome. Hi. Well, hey, Jonathan. Hi. Good to hear from you. You got a question? Thank you. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um. 
if God already knew the future and he knew that the devil was going to be really evil and make and and trick people and hurt people, why did he give him his power? Okay. Jonathan, I got to ask, how old are you, brother? Seven. Amen. Good question for a seven-year-old. Isn't that right, Alex? (laughs) Yeah, and Jonathan, I just want to say thank you for listening. That that means so much to us, and the fact that you would listen. Thank you so much. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to let Bert kind of finish up, but one of the greatest privileges of life is that we can have a relationship with the Lord, and a relationship means that we can know about Jesus, and then we can personally become friends with Jesus. And the way that that happens is God chooses to love us, but we have to respond, and we choose to love him back. And um, God knew some people would, would reject that, but all humans have the ability to decide to come to Christ. And even though some, sadly, they reject, Many don't. Many do choose to follow Jesus like us and like we hope you will. So God created so we could have a relationship with him, didn't he, Bert? He did. And the whole idea, Jonathan, is love. And uh, we love him. And out of a heart of being able to know God, uh, we choose to follow God. And it's because he called us. He first loved us. And because of that, we can trust him. Jonathan, thank you so much, and we appreciate that. Alex, have you realized that? We had people today, now, want 101 to 7. I bet most of our listeners fall in between those, don't you? I would imagine. You know, I just in St. Louis the other day, I met a young man, 14, and he, he listens every day. For all of you listening, we appreciate it. May we, God bless you. We do. We appreciate it, and we're going to... Be again in First Thessalonians chapter three tomorrow, and when we get over to chapter four, we're going to get into the second coming of Christ, and that was the main purpose for him writing uh, that book. So we're looking forward to it. But until then, we pray that you'll stay serving the Lord, walk with Him, pray for the believers in Afghanistan, yeah, and yeah. do that tonight, especially in prayer meeting. Thank you for being with us on Exploring the Word. Yeah.